I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest says that he is only as successful as his ability to empower and inspire his team. Alex Paskoff is Senior Vice President and Managing Director of Ingram Micro's Commerce and Lifecycle Services Division. With responsibility for over $2 billion in annual revenues, eight facilities, and 3,500 associates. Alex is an experienced executive leader with a demonstrated history of working in the telecommunication, technology, and services industry. While he is skilled in P&L management, customer relationship management, go-to market strategy, team building, and consumer electronics, it's his ability to lead with vulnerability, empathy, and real emotion that sets him apart. Alex says, I'll cry at the drop of a hat if it's something important to me. He grew up in an environment where he always leaned on others through challenging times. And those characteristics serve him and his team well, particularly through this challenging season. As you'll hear in our conversation, Alex is passionate about equality for all and is taking his dad's advice to not just be good, but do good. Listen in to hear how that plays out in his leadership. Well, you know, my life, especially my childhood, was a little bit untraditional. Um, I lost my mom when I was a toddler and I was raised by my father, who was my hero and my source of inspiration. And unfortunately, I lost him when I was a teenager. So early on in my life, I had to count on other people to help me find my way. So a little non-traditional in the sense of a non-traditional background and through the kindness and the support of many people at a very young age, I found my way through college and ended up going to grad school, earning my MBA and um, starting a career when I was in my um, early 20s. And as you mentioned, I'm with Ingram Micro. I've been with the company for 20 years now. Great. That's helpful. Thanks for that context, Alex. So you say that you grew up in an environment where you learned to lean on others, particularly in challenging times. So how does that play out in your leadership today? I think I want to pay that forward, right? And that's what I've always tried to do is through leadership, become a person that other people can depend on. Um, It's easy to lead when everything's going well. It's more of a challenge uh, when things aren't going so well. And I think our ability to depend on others, to dig out of those holes and become successful is critical to being a leader. What does that look like, depending on others? There's so much in the leadership literature around leveraging the strengths of others. And often that bumps up against leaders' tendency to be out front and prove that they can do it. So what does that look like for you? Well, I I think we all have something unique to give in regard to leadership. And the way that I've always looked at leadership is that we all have something unique to give. And that carries on in my leadership style. I don't look at my team as my subordinates. I don't ask them to follow behind me or I don't consider myself to be in front of them. Uh, We're colleagues and we're shoulder to shoulder. And that's how I approach leadership. And that's generally my management style. 
Is there a particular situation or time within your career that really stands out to you where that that really led the way, that mindset? You know, as I reflect on uh, my career, I think any time that we've been in a challenging situation, whether it was a macroeconomic issue or a customer-related issue, it's really been our ability to work together as a team without hierarchy and without layers in the organization really coming together as a team and solving things together. So I would say, without referencing any specific challenge, almost every challenge that we've been able to solve over the course of the last two decades has been under that umbrella of just good communication, a lack of hierarchy, and the concept that, you know, we're all in it together. How do you foster that within your team? Well, I, I, I mean, I think it comes with authentic leadership. What I've learned is if people trust you and if people respect you and if there's authenticity in that, people will gravitate towards that style. So what does that look like for you, that authenticity? What's unique? Well, I think as people get to know me, what you see is what you get. I'm a straight shooter, and I think that's very evident when you meet with me or talk to me, whether you're a client, uh, whether you're an associate, uh, whether you're a supplier, everyone has a similar experience and just consistency and how you carry that out and everything you do every day. Yeah, I love the saying, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> so it's important to, to get clear on what you value and who you are as a leader so that you can be that consistently. Yeah, I, mean, I learned pretty early on that you only get one reputation and what you do with that is just so important. And um, I think being authentic is one of the most important things that you can be. So as you, as you show up as an authentic leader, what are those things that set you apart? What makes you unique as a leader? Well, I think one is I always try to demonstrate empathy. There's a saying that until you've walked in someone's shoes, you really can't pass judgment. And I think having empathy in most of the things we do in life as well as in business is incredibly important. And I think through empathy, it drives authenticity. Yeah, empathy is getting a lot of press right now. You know, it's a time when so many are struggling and not okay. So leaders are really challenged to show up with empathy. How does one develop empathy? I developed empathy just through all of the different work life experiences that I've had in my life. As I mentioned earlier, earlier in my life, I had to really depend on others to kind of show me the way. And through that process and through receiving a lot of empathy, I was able to find a way forward. So that's been something that's been very important to me throughout my entire life. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I'm fortunate to have seen you in action recently. And one of the things I observed is it's, it's almost like you're, you're taking in, you're very much aware of what's happening around you and the people involved. And there's a respect for their perspectives. And you're always quick to ask for their perspective first before sharing your own how does that connect with empathy? Well, I, I think you really hit it right on the head, Andrea. I think empathy comes from doing much more listening than talking. 
And through listening, you just learn so much. And when you learn more, you're able to be more empathetic. Yeah, there was a leader that said recently, we were talking about his his teams being pretty divided politically and some wanting to wear masks and some not, and that that was creating some tensions. And, and so empathy naturally came up as a part of the conversation. But he said, but we've got to get sales. He's like, I, I don't have time to listen to all these people. He was like, I'm under so much pressure to drive revenue. What would your advice be in a situation like that? I think you can always find the time for things that are important. And I can't think of anything that's more important in any organization than the people. Yeah, because in that scenario, they're they're not going to be productive or driving sales if they're not okay themselves. So it's like the the cost of not doing it is way is way greater. That's exactly right. What I find is leaders find time for the things that are most important to them. And again, I go back to the most important thing are your people. So if you find the time for them, then you'll find the proper path forward. Yeah. And ultimately you get to control how you choose to spend your time. That's right. There's also, there's also this element of emotion and vulnerability. You've talked about yourself as a vulnerable, emotional leader. What does that look like and how does that connect with empathy? Well, I think there's a direct correlation. And when I say I'm an emotional leader, it's not that I'm a vocal, rambunctious leader. What really means is I personally am just a sensitive leader. And I think that sensitivity uh, comes from how I connect with people. And a large part of that is empathizing with other people. So the connectivity that we have with the people in our professional lives, again, whether they're associates or clients or supplier partners, is just so important right? In developing those relationships that authentically resonate. And again, empathy is just a huge part of that. Well, and you can feel that, can't you? And those kinds of relationships that are real and connected and vulnerable, there's a depth there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the difference between a contact and a relationship. Mm -hmm. A transaction and a relationship. Yeah. What is it that holds leaders back? from being sensitive, from from having empathy? I think it's probably different for different people. Some of it may be their background. Some of it may just be their comfort level in tapping into um, their emotions. Uh, so I think it is different for different pe people. I think life experience, work experience plays a role in that. The culture in which they operate and work probably plays a role in that. You know, I've been very fortunate to have worked for leaders, have worked for companies that really are supportive of bringing your authentic self to work every day. And the culture that I've tried to create is exactly that, is there's no downside and there's no harm in being vulnerable, or being sensitive. Um, oftentimes, I may be presenting to hundreds or thousands of people. And if we're talking about a, a topic that's particularly sensitive to me, I may get emotional and, you know, shed a tear here and there. So, um, again, it's a little bit different for everyone, probably. But I think having a culture that's open and supportive is probably the best thing you can have to drive that. 
Well, and I would suspect that because you are so relationship oriented that when you're making a presentation and you get you get choked up a bit, the people that know you, like they they know exactly where that's coming from. And that that's so real because that's who you are as a leader. And I suspect that that seeing the reaction of others in those situations uh, perpetuates that, right? Because you you see the connection that comes from being vulnerable in that way. Yeah, that's spot on, Andrea. I mean, oftentimes I'll be speaking or presenting in front of a large group. I'll get emotional, I'll look in the audience, and then suddenly everyone's eyes are, you know, welling up. So I, I think it's contagious. And I think, you know, we're living in such a time that the release of those emotional emotions, I think are, it's just super healthy. Is because we're feeling it. (laughs) So we might as well acknowledge it. There's not a separation. I mean, because all aspects of our lives are under one roof right now, there's not a separation between work and home. And we're all feeling so many things. So let's be real about that. Let's acknowledge that. Leaders have such an opportunity right now to acknowledge that and connect with their teams in such a deeper way. Yeah. And I think if people internalize it, it just manifests itself in less positive ways versus if you have the confidence to just let it out. I think it's therapeutic and I think only good things come from that. Only good things come from that. Yeah, I trust that. So in the spirit of vulnerability, I want to go a little bit deeper. So we were on, you and I were on a panel conversation through the Indiana Chamber talking about racial inequality in the workplace. And I, w- I was so appreciative of your perspective as a white man. One of the things that you said that really resonated with me during that, um, during that conversation was you were talking about, you said, those that are in the majority are in the best position to support the minority. We have the greatest opportunity to drive the most change. And you have been such an advocate, it, and not surprisingly, because it's so connected to what you just said because you're sensitive and you feel the feelings of others and you're empathic about their challenges. So it's very natural, but talk more specifically about your, your work in driving positive change in this area. Well, I, I think it's a responsibility of all leaders to be out in front of social injustice or any type of inequity that exists in the world, in the markets where we, you know, participate. You know, I talk a lot about servant leadership and I think it falls right under that umbrella. And, you know, we have a responsibility. Uh, What's going on right now in regards to what's happening to our black brothers and sisters, we all have to have the perspective that it's just unacceptable. And what can we do to drive the change forward that's necessary to get these types of things in the rearview mirror as soon as possible? I mean, when we had our conference, you know, we were talking a lot about George Floyd uh, and how do we move forward? And now here we are, you know, several weeks later and we're talking about Jacob Blake, right? When's it going to stop? Well, it's not going to stop until the people that have the most influence to make the change, actually do the things to make the change happen. What are some of the things that you're doing specifically within Ingram Micro? Well, you know, we're doing several things. You know, we're trying not to eat the elephant in one bite, 
but at the same time, we're trying to action against as many things as we can. You know, we've developed an anti-racism task force to address what's going on across all the markets we serve. Ingram Micro is a global company that operates in Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia, Latin America, and across North America. So the task force is charted with making sure that we've got the right connectivity into all the markets in, with, in which we serve. Within my business uh, that I'm responsible for in the U.S., we're doing more tactical things like establishing scholarship funds because we think there's a huge gap in education for the black community. And we think a good starting point is to help educate uh, and help increase the quality of that education. And we want to use that to drive an internship program. So we're attracting good young black talent into our business. And then we'll turn that internship ultimately into hires and hiring a higher percentage of blacks into our business. Well, and that, that's, I, I get to, I want to stuff you for a second because that is so important because that's building a pool of diverse talent, isn't it? That's exactly right. So much of the time I hear a leader say, well, you know, we, we weren't able to pr- promote a remote uh, minority talent because we just, there's just nobody that fits that in, in this role. Like there's, 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 well, so build the pool. And that's, that's what you're doing with the internship program. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the reality is there is an, a, there's an abundance of good quality black talent. So you have to figure out how do you create a culture and a work environment that's attractive, right? And while you're doing that, also, what are the things you can do to just build that talent yourself? So tapping into it through education, we think will serve the latter. And then aggressively creating the right culture to be attractive is happening in parallel. Well, I imagine to your workforce, too, that just sends such a positive message. Like, what does that do for engagement within the team when they see those kinds of things happening? What we're looking to do is drive a higher level of engagement. And we think the best way to do that is, one, again, have the culture where everyone's comfortable talking about uncomfortable things. And then, two, making sure that we're executing against what we're saying. Yeah, having a culture where we can have uncom- uncomfortable conversations, are those some of the things that the anti-racism task force is doing, is creating space for those kinds of conversations? And it's one of its primary charters. What does that look like? Well, I mean, we want to have, you know, a safe space for everyone, right? Certainly for our Black associates, but we want it for all associates because to your earlier point of being comfortable having uncomfortable conversations, it's not just to a particular segment of our population, it's to everyone. It's to everyone. So everyone can find themselves in the culture. That's right. And everyone has a responsibility to do that. Everyone has a responsibility. What if a team member doesn't feel included or a part of it? Well, I, mean, I think, look, it's okay to be unfamiliar or uncomfortable right? Part of being inclusive is giving everyone the space to be comfortable. But what's clear is what's not acceptable is being intolerant or accepting anything that is or can be perceived as racist. 
What feedback have you gotten from your team members on that? Well, just high level of engagement. I'm super proud of everyone that stepped up to volunteer to be part of the task force, to be part of creating a better culture and a better environment that's conducive to diversity and looking at business and life through a different lens. I so appreciate your perspective. It's such an empowering perspective. From some of my white male leader friends, I've, I've heard a bit of victim mentality recently. And this certainly is not about anyone having done anything wrong. So I just want to say that. But one specific conversation I had recently with, with a white leader and executive in his business is he was talking about opportunities for him are becoming very dismal because he said, because I'm not minority, I'm not a female. And so he said, it's a, it's a tough time to be a white man right now. And my response was, well, welcome to the uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, how have you, I mean, what kinds of conversations are you having in that regard? I think that we live in the world's greatest country. And part of what is so great about our country is it really is the land of opportunity. The reality is the opportunity for white people is different than the opportunity for black people, for people of color in general, um, as well as across genders. So when you think about having a dream and what a dream means to a white person, right? A dream means you have the opportunity and the possibility to make your dreams come true. Unfortunately, because of some of the systemic things that exist in our society, if you're a person of color, a dream is just what happens when you close your eyes at night. So that's the difference that exists in our world today, and it's a reality. And if you live in the United States of America and you're white and you're worried that you don't have the opportunity, I would say shame on you. Yeah, because you're part of it. We are all better when we're all equal. That's right. So in my experience, it's as, as I work with leaders that have this guard up and uncomfortable becoming sensitive, you know, it's, it's asking questions first to understand their perspective, because there's always experiences that are driving those fear-based thoughts, right, that it's keeping that guard up. But when that guard comes down, like that's when vulnerability can happen. That's when connection can happen. Like that's, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. So as you work with leaders that have this, this guard up, like what do you do to help break through that a bit? Well, look, I really believe that typically fear is born out of ignorance. So anything that we can do as leaders to help educate to help drive conversations. The more conversations and dialogue you can drive, that will create empathy, right? That will create, again, a, a culture that's inclusive. The best, one of the best things we can do is help people understand what everyone is going through. Because that's where those experiences come to life. And once I have understanding around those experiences, oh, I, I no longer hate you. I understand you. That's when connection can happen. That's right. And that's when we get, we get beyond fear 
right? And we start to tap into really awesome emotions like empathy and an understanding and humanity. And if you can tap into those things, then sky's the limit. So if we could just get everybody together, Alex, <laughs> create, a safe, create a safe space, encourage everyone to just let their guard down. Because at the end of the day, we all just want to be understood. We all want to be loved. We all want to be seen for who we yeah, are. We all want to have, you know, equal access to opportunities. Yes. The Pledge of Allegiance says equality and justice for all. There's no asterisk next to the all, right? And that's what everybody really wants. Yeah. We all want to be understood and heard and loved and seen and and have equal opportunities, as you said. You know, it's interesting now, like looking back from where we started to where we've gotten to and how connected all of this is, that your upbringing and the challenges that happened so early in your life really built these empathy muscles in you and created this sensitivity so that now at this point as a leader, you can navigate these really challenging waters by just by leaning in the discomfort, bringing people together, giving people a safe space to be who they are and talk through these challenges. So thank you so much for modeling the way. Oh, it's my pleasure, Andrea. You know, one of the last things my father told me before he passed away was, son, don't just be good, do good. And I've tried to carry that through my entire life, but more specifically as a leader. And I think as leaders, the more good we can do, the more success we'll all have. Well, and you are doing a lot of good, my friend. This is inspiring. I've been inspired through our conversation. I'm, I'm so eager to put this out and hear other leaders learn from your message. If our listeners want to connect with you, Alex, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the best way is either to just connect with me through LinkedIn or shoot me an email at alex.paskoff at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.